This episode of the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast is brought to you by Archipelago Productions' three-part miniseries, Devout and Out. The show follows three LGBTQ individuals who have chosen to become or remain leaders in their respective churches. I've watched through this series twice, and it is easily one of the best series I've seen all year. It's smart, thought-provoking, conversation-launching, funny, heartwarming, and is going to show you a side of Canada you have never seen before. You can watch Devout and Out in Canada on the CBC Gem app or elsewhere in the world on YouTube. Enjoy. After all, there is nothing real outside our perception of reality, is there? If you wish to avoid prosecution, I would advise that you comply with our language laws. This is the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to the RCMP. That's the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. I'm your co-host today, Becky Shrimpton, and with me, once again, via the magic of Skype, is Mr. Mm. Cameron Maitland. Hey, Cam. Hey, it is magic. I know. Isn't it great? Okay, we have to do a disclaimer before we start (laughs) all together. We're talking about Airbud today. No one loves dogs more than Cam and I. We love them so much. Just follow our social media. This is going to be a rough one for animal lovers. Bad things are going to happen to animals, and it gets dark. Yeah. yeah. It's it's not a rough movie to watch, necessarily. There's a little light animal cruelty, but uh, the, the behind-the-scenes of Hollywood, we all know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we all know how the machine works on corpses of animals. We've all we've all read about Milo and Otis. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this movie, too, I, I can't believe this, because the, the 20th anniversary just was out, and I believe there is more written on this movie than any other movie I've researched, in, except for maybe Cronenberg. Like, there is just oh, so yeah. much about this movie that's just bananas but we're gonna get into that let's bring our guest on cam who's joining us today sure joining us through the magic of skype finally we can get some of the bc folks who i went to school with uh so joining us is a podcaster and the dungeon master of the dungeon punks podcast Stu pop (laughs) (laughs) welcome that was very (laughs) very articulate i liked it hello yes welcome we're glad to have you Stu. oh thanks for having me and uh for allowing me to watch for the first time Air Bud, which was surprisingly dark in places. Yeah. Yeah. I think all of us are a little old to have originally watched it, right? Yeah. Yes. Now, I actually watched this with the five-year-old that I live with, so I do have the small person point of view of this for Mm. about um, half of it, and then he got bored. And then I called him back for the actual, like, dog action scenes, and then he was back in in again. But, like, I have a a little bit of uh, five-year-old reaction on this one. Okay, great. Yeah, so uh, age-appropriate sort of things. We're not just going to be a bunch of curmudgeon uh, adults looking at this thing. Uh, Stu, this is the first time you've watched this. You've wanted to bring this show to the podcast for a while. Why? Well, I love basketball and basketball movies. Uh, I am developing currently a second podcast that is about basketball movies. So, yeah, I have a vested interest in finding movies that have good basketball in them. This isn't one of them. And that's, yeah, and because there's no other Canadian basketball movies. Yeah. Really? I, I believe we, we literally looked it up, didn't we? I think, I think we took so. some time. And there, might is... be, there might be one that's, like, very, very, like, Christian forward. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that looked very bad. Yeah. Keep in mind that Air Bud is also one of our highest growing, grossing films of all time. Very important to note that. 
Uh, Well, that doesn't surprise me. They have turned this into the most unbelievable franchise. So there are six Mm. Air Bud movies. There are six Buddies movies, which is his offspring, kind of, maybe. Um, It's puppies. (laughs) It doesn't have to do with them playing sports. The Air Bud movies are all dogs playing sports. The the Buddies movies are them solving crime, but in different themes. So there's like a pirate one and an Indiana Jones one and a Christmas one. Like, that's kind of how that works. Don't, uh, lest we forget... Uh, most vertical primate, most extreme primate, and spy mate. Yes. The oh. monkey spin-off. And most valuable primate. There's four oh, of those. Yeah. Yes, because yeah. that's the one where he plays hockey. Ah, uh, yes. I couldn't remember what his first sport was. <laughs> <laughs> and and what I love even more about this is there's actually even a ripoff of these direct-to-video movies. Uh, the first two Airbuds were released theatrically, but there is a one called Soccer Dog, which is Soccer Dog the Movie and Soccer Dog European Cup, which are not Airbud movies but they are sport playing dog movies listen if you want to talk about uh dark animal abuse something tells me soccer dog <laughs> is probably probably the real heart of darkness yeah there was a the late 90s was a real time for soccer and for sports playing animals yeah. Well, I looked this up because I was like, okay, is there like a really long history of animals playing sports movies? And honestly, Airbud kind of kicked it off. There were two in 1978. Um, there was Matilda, which was a movie starring Robert Mitchum and Elliot Gould about a kangaroo preparing to face a human opponent in a boxing match. Um, right. There's another one, which is a Disney movie called Gus about a donkey from Yugoslavia that plays yeah. football. I'm um, familiar with that one. <laughs> that one just seems banana. I was like, there's a donkey one. I know there's an old donkey one. <laughs> and then the original, from what I can tell, is Bonzo Goes to College, which is part of the Bonzo Blank series. Oh, um, yeah. And in that one, he plays golf and football and goes to uh, high-end Ivy League university. So when in terms of like sport-playing animals, that's really it until you get to Airbud, And then it just launched this whole new thing of like animals doing things. Um, and part of that's probably just because the technology and got good enough for them to be able to like make them move or like capture certain elements of performances that you wouldn't have necessarily been able to do before and i mean also am i wrong becky i'm sure you have this research but Airbud is vaguely based on a real dog, no? Airbud is a real dog. So okay. that dog that you're seeing, he does, and Stu, I'm going to come to you in a second because I'm going to ask you about <laughs> the quality of the basketball playing of this dog. <laughs> uh, we haven't even described the plot of this, but dog plays basketball. Um, dog, dog plays ba- There's a lot more plot we'll get into, but totally... dog plays basketball is um, about a third of it. But... Yeah, there is a note in the credits that None of the basketball scenes involve special effects. No, and this uh. actually gets really cool. Uh, so Kevin DeChico, who is the uh, trainer of Airbud, Airbud originally also played Comet the Dog on Full House. Um, oh wow! Yeah, so that's his first kind of credit, uh, and then he did a whole bunch of stuff on like Letterman and all the late night circuit as like uh, stupid pet tricks. He did all that because he could bounce the ball off his nose into the hoop. Like that is actually something he can do, but he can't dribble, but he can drool uh, and. And so to get it to to stay in his mouth, they had to coat the ball in olive oil so that oh. it wouldn't just slide out. So it would have something to grip onto. So that is actually a trick the dog can do. He found the dog uh, while he was hiking um, in California and it was a stray and he took it in. And uh, it, it's kind of the same as in the movie where the dog saw the kid playing with the ball. Same thing. He saw Kevin playing with the ball and he just got really into the ball. And a lot of times you see Airbud following the kid around. It's because he's got a tennis ball in his hand. 
hand. And the dog was just mm. like, I want that. Let's go. So, yeah, that is the story of Arabud. So Arabud is a real dog. And then stuff happened to it later. And there's a whole debate on who actually owns the Arabud franchise. There's a talk of the, what the sequel was supposed to be, which, guys, guys, you're going to love this. It's brilliant. I'm okay. going to get to it later. <laughs> but, Stu, I got to ask. Is the dog any good at playing basketball? All right, the dog is very good at shooting free throws. I'll give him that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, probably pretty decent at uh, at stealing the ball, but uh, they they had to do a lot of editing, I think, to make the actual like being a team player part of this uh, <laughs> even a little bit sensible. Not being able to dribble was a big uh, difficulty to have on a basketball team. Yes, in a game that requires <laughs> it to move. Yeah. yeah, and also for him to do the thing where he bites the ball, the ball has to be extremely deflated that you can see in various scenes. So uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't work with a fully inflated basketball. <laughs> with a regulation ball, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there'd definitely be some deflate gate stuff going on. <laughs> well also, doesn't he straight up foul a kid and doesn't get called on it? Oh probably. I'm sure many a time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean many- I I will say that the the big loophole in this movie is that no well number one the crowd is so full for a full on children's basketball game yeah. like this is not high school basketball this is like kids I mean they do mention that it's state championships but but yes state junior high championships maybe but uh, the crazy thing is is which I think allows their bud to get away with all this stuff is the crowd is just as keyed up for good basketball as they are for the dog causing havoc. <laughs> like yeah. the crowd loves Airbud messing shit up. Okay, Stu, what is the overarching plot line of this film? There's uh there's a few. I feel like there <laughs> it feels like there's a couple different plot lines that we're all jammed in together. The basketball is about the middle portion. Middle third, I would say. Yeah, it's about right. Yeah, uh, first half is very clown forward. I saw Cam mention that it was very much more of a like Beethoven hijinksy first first third about a kid finding a dog. He's very sad. His dad's a dead test pilot, which I think is a weird fact that they <laughs> added in and then did nothing with. Um, and then the fi- the final third is a court case. Yeah. The most coherent part, I think, is probably the the basketball thing in the middle. And that kid, Kevin Zeggers, he went on to do, like, a ton of stuff. He's in Transamerica. Uh, he was on Gossip Girl. He went on to have a good career. He does have that haircut that every white boy in the 90s did. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very yeah. specific haircut. Jonathan Taylor Thomas had it. Jonathan Brandis had it. I think Brad Renfro had it at one point. They've all got that same haircut. Oh, yeah. I definitely have that haircut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean every kid that was cool. I don't think I could pull it off, but uh, uh, but I get it. And I think it is worth saying because I I may dunk on him slightly. I think Kevin Zegers is a pretty good actor these days, but I don't think he was very good when he was yeah. what six or something. Like yeah, well, well he's like seven or eight in this. He's a little bit older. I think I love this because the director of it, Charles Martin Smith actually cared about this movie and he wasn't going to sign on to do it and unless he he took a crack at the script there was not to be any cgi they were really going to focus on the relationship between the boy and the dog that that was going to be the main point of it and that it was just going to be wholesome and you'd be able to enjoy it as a family instead of just for kids and being too twee so then my question is if would you guys think this is a family movie as opposed to just a kids movie like will adults get as much out of this as kids would if you're watching it with the context that you're watching it 
with a, with a child. No. <laughs> no. No. No, it's very much a kid's movie. Uh, there's some, like, good heartstring tugging, I think. Like, if a sad dog makes you go, aw, th- there's some pretty good that. Uh, and there's some pretty silly stuff. Like, Charles Martin Smith is also a, a big character actor, and I think he knew how to really broadly play some stuff. I would say that, like, if the court case alone was the movie, I would think it kind of ruled because it's so ridiculous. Like, he knows when to make it super ridiculous, which, and same with a lot of Michael Jeter's stuff. Like, it's, yeah, he can play it pretty broad, but for the most part, I think an adult would just look at this baffled and would not get into the plot. Yeah, definitely. I'd have to agree, yeah. Yeah, I think that maybe the family stuff would be the things that happen around the basketball storyline more than any like not the basketball storyline itself but everything outside of it the beginning stuff in the court case um but i think all of the all of the dog related things very much just a kid's movie yeah kids love the dog hijinks dog eating pudding they're gonna laugh at that probably yeah Uh, i do want to make a note that you should not give pudding to dogs (laughs) no no (laughs) i did google that it is a very bad thing to do. Oh, yeah. Most dogs are <laughs> lactose intolerant. Don't give pudding to dogs. Well, to be fair, it was a snack pack. I don't know if there's actually lactose in those. It's actually the sugar is the problem. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Dogs can't handle sweet things. So the mom just didn't want the dog because it had diarrhea the whole time? <laughs> yes. Very possible. I feel like, too, that there was a missed opportunity for more product placement than just snack pack. Like, I mean, this was the E.T. moment that really launched uh, Reese's Pieces. You could have had the same thing for snack pack. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. This episode of the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast is brought to you by Archipelago Productions. For over 15 years, the team at Archipelago have been making groundbreaking and award-winning films, television, and corporate video. For brands like Google, Netflix, Etsy, Time Magazine and the University of Toronto. Visit archipelagoproductions.ca to find out how they can help you elevate and execute your next video project. Now, something I do want to bring up, because this absolutely fascinates me. So we're going to get into the dark side, people, if this is not your cup of tea. So Airbud did actually pass away almost immediately after this film wrapped. He passed away in 1998, and the film came out in 1997. Uh, he contracted cancer. They had to amputate his back leg first. Um, and then he uh, and then he just passed, unfortunately. Um, I do remember he still performed as a three-legged dog, though, did he not? He I seem did. to remember seeing him do a couple TV shows. That is correct. And so Kevin DeChico, who is the um, who is the owner of the dog, uh, he had originally intended there to be a sequel uh, called Air Bud, The Next Generation, uh, which was going to start in 1999, which would be about Air Bud's puppies, not actually yeah. Air Bud. And I love this okay. and I want to see this script because the concept was a cross between Ferris Bueller and Home Alone, but with dogs. <laughs> I mean, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Doesn't sure. it? I can't even imagine what that would look like, but with puppies. Like, that's just kind of yeah. fascinating to me. And that's when it gets even weirder. So then there becomes like a whole custody battle over whether or not Airbud is a character or an actual dog. And then, of mm. course, the, the law basically said, oh, he's a character and we're going to be able to do this. So Kevin DeChico ended up basically getting ousted from this entire series. Um, however, he did freeze 11 vials of Buddy's semen. <laughs> <laughs> wow, 11. 
So <laughs> these are things now I know. And Kevin DeChico has said that Buddy has posthumously fathered three litters of puppies. Yeah, this is, guys, this gets deep. Uh, and then, of course, like I said, this is the 20th anniversary. And for some reason, people have become really obsessed with where Air Bud is buried. And Vice mm. did a whole series just searching for his burial <laughs> ground. Oh, God. It was really something. And finally, he gets the, the author gets Kevin DeChico on the phone. And uh, Kevin DeChico was like, oh, yeah, we just, just spread him on like a San Diego beach. And so then they tried yeah. to go to find out where that beach was and dig and dig. Oh, and I Jesus. was like, this is ridiculous. But here's where it gets even worse. The complex.com uh, on the 20th anniversary of Air Bud attended a seance to attempt to uh, contact the spirit oh of God. Air Bud. This gets weirder. Wow. So it was commissioned by this guy who wrote a tell-all book about Airbud and the whole fandango around it, who just sounds like a piece of work. Um, and uh, the guy who conducted it is well known as a like spirit pet medium named Leonidas mm. Trelawney. Uh, Kevin <laughs> Zegers was there for no, and, no, and apparently did not want to be there, but was um, the author. Had, hey, listen, get get paid. We get it. We're well. all Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the author bought. Uh, Buddy, what was supposedly Buddy's first leash, which is what they were using to contact him. And this is, again, this is a very, very dark article, but it's also really well written and very funny and horrible. Uh, so I'm going to post that on the Twitter if you want to read it. Um, I'm not going to talk anymore about it, but it's uh, it's really something. So, so yeah, very dark. But I just... I have never seen a kids movie treated in this way. And I'm wondering if it, it is because it's like a was a real dog that there was like a tragedy element to it, almost like a James Deanian sort of thing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe. I wonder if it too, it's a bit that it's like the first of its kind, like as you mentioned, right? Like it's the first of the animals playing sports movies. And t- with that being that it was, you know, an actual dog that could actually do that. I do think it's also, like, if you look at the sort of, uh, you know, parabola of, like, acceptable animal rights stuff, it came at a good time because there was, like, Milo and Otis and Incredible Journey and Beethoven, like, all these big movies about with trained animals. But nowadays, trained animals are pretty out. I'm actually kind of interested because... Lady and the Tramp, the Disney one, uh, is not like Lion King where it's all CGI. It is actually dogs where they're like CGIing mouths on them. And I just feel like people are not into it anymore, you know? I think as a culture, people have moved past it. So, But in the 90s, it was totally acceptable. There was plenty of like fun animal movies. Um, it's just a cycle, too, it seems, right? Especially now. There's been, uh, maybe with the internet, too, a lot more footage comes out from those movies of the animal cruelty. Yeah. And it's not even necessarily cruelty. I think it's just like people don't realize what it takes to train an animal to that level. Mm-hmm. Like I remember the, the big scandal on a dog's purpose was that video. And even when they released the undoctored video to show that it like, no, it's fine. A Peter or like a humane society person was there. This is just mm-hmm. what they do. People were still like, well, I'm still not, cool (laughs) you know i'm still not cool with throwing that dog in the water even if it kind of likes it like so i think that there's uh even though those dog purposes movies are doing great and they're all real so 
What the hell do I know? I don't know. There is something about seeing an actual dog, though. Like, I mean, we still are a bit in the uncanny valley area of animals, and especially if the animal's not talking. I mean, the Jungle Book and things like that are a bit different because the animals are talking, right? Uh, Same with Lion Uh King. They're talking. But when you have actual animals behaving like animals, um, there is still something about seeing a real creature interact with a human, even though, you know, it's just licking its lips because there's like a treat in front of it. Not that it loves the, <laughs> loves mm-hmm, the human, yeah. but to see those sorts of sorts of reactions and things, because there is something more specific about the ways animals react to things than humans do. That's, I think, really hard to emulate in CGI. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I do want to address as a, the, the one bit of research I did was into <laughs> whether or not there's a rule. <laughs> In the rule book that says a dog can't play basketball. Uh, there's not explicitly one. I've researched pretty much most of the, like, northwestern United States, uh, like, elementary and high school rules. Uh, but unless that dog is enrolled in classes, uh, it would it would not be allowed. <laughs> there's also an age, there's also an age uh, stipulation as well. Uh. Which you might be able to get around with, like, oh, it's dog ears. But well, he was ten, so he was roughly the same age as those children. So I can see that. Um, and I will say, Bill Cobb, who's the coach, does go through a whole like set of hoops to say, like, well, you know, as a mascot, he has technically been part of the team, and blah blah. So maybe that's. It sounds like he kind of tries to justify the he doesn't even go to the school thing. <laughs> yeah, he, he would have to maintain a certain GPA, but yeah, they they do. <laughs> They try. They get close. I'd say they get close, but yeah, there there are rules that would prevent it. <laughs> there is some stuff that I do want to draw attention to, and the fact that there is a, like a wealth of high end Vancouver Canadian talent in this. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Um, like Brendan Fletcher, who plays the little kid with the bad haircut that gets the the balls thrown at him. Um, he was a child star in Toronto or in uh, Canada for a long time, and if you ever saw a movie of the week, you definitely saw him. And he was in Freddy vs Jason and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Jay Brazo, we've talked about before. Um, yeah. He was the coroner in Kissed, and is the the man who announces there ain't nothing in the rule book that says a dog can play basketball. He's made history! I know, uh, he has. I was proud that that was a Canadian. <laughs> uh, Nicola Cavendish as well, she, who plays uh, Principal Pepper, who's the one who makes that very, very strange joke about Michael Wolf Jordan. He's a regular Michael Wolf Jordan, which doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Uh, she is an incredibly high-caliber theater actor in Vancouver. <laughs> so, like, she's our, our equivalent of, like, uh, Martha Henry or, like, Maggie Smith or whatever in Vancouver. So that was just, to see her play that is was just mind-boggling to me. Well, I think I might be I think at the time, Charles Martin Smith might have lived in Vancouver. He still does, yes. Okay, yeah. Because he's like an American character actor from the 80s, but I feel like he still hangs out in Vancouver. Oh, he lives yeah. there now. Yeah, that's yeah. his whole thing, is that he immigrated. And here's another weird little piece of trivia for you. Like I said, there's so much written about this. It's bananas. He had just come off shooting the first episode of the TV series of Buffy. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then immediately came and went and did this. So it's just like, all right, this is, these are things that are now in my head. <laughs> I can win Airbud trivia. Let's go. Great. <laughs> Valuable skills. All right. Favorite moments, guys. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, I mean, I do love the Scotty Pippen orange peel that the kid keeps for luck. But I will say that there is a completely ridiculous moment. Again, this is where I think that Charles Martin Smith kind of gets it and is like pushing things to their extreme, where there's like a redo of the uh, 
thing from uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where he's mindlessly building the mountain out of potatoes, but the but Kevin Zeggers is building a dog out of spaghettios <laughs> in his bowl. He has a perfect shape of a golden retriever out of spaghettios when he's sad about not having a dog, and that is so funny to me. <laughs> yeah, that that was pretty excellent. I think my favorite part there's the the, the, the storyline about Stuart being able to catch the ball. Uh, and how excited everyone is, like, towards the end. Like, all of his action shots are just of him catching the ball. <laughs> <laughs> like, there, there's just, like, hero moments dedicated to him jumping up and catching a ball. And that made me laugh pretty much every time. I love Michael Jetter's performance in this because he's having so much fun. And I love at the very, very end when the judge yells, Would somebody suppress that clown? <laughs> that made oh, yes. me very happy. Um, I loved that. And I also love the fact that there is that very, very brief clip that I think only exists to be in the trailer where they're in the middle of the game and all of them put their hands in and then you see the paw go in and you <laughs> know a producer fought for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty spectacular to me. There's just so many of these things that I'm like, man, this was just great. The other thing I think I'm fascinated about is that this this appears to just be a nightmare world for adults where you can be a disrespected clown, you can work for a napkin factory. Once you hit the age of 20, <laughs> you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a very weird world they've built. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, I did also, I liked, uh, there, there was a real throwaway line where, I can't remember what it was, but maybe they were talking about one of the other players or something, they're like, yeah, his family moved to Canada. And they're like, why would you move to Canada? <laughs> and I was like, ah, that's a nice sick self-burn. Good job, movie. Oh, man. It has its moments. Like, it certainly does. And then the five-year-old whom I watched most of this with, he uh, his new thing, he's he's asserting his independence by going, this is boring. So so we heard that a couple times. This is not his thing. But when he was watching the dog play basketball, it is quick cut shot enough now that it resembles more modern movies that move a lot faster. So he was yeah. more into that. So, But any of the like actual mm-hmm. plot stuff or like the goofy slapstick was not his thing. No. Yeah, I agree with that five-year-old. I felt like most of the basketball stuff held up except for being good at basketball. But <laughs> uh, yeah, but because of all the quick edits. It... Yeah, and I mean, he he only plays one game of basketball. It's worth saying, like I, they do, they play games of pickup, but he only officially plays one basketball game. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's not a huge part of the plot. So it's kind of pleasant. Yeah, it's beautiful. So are we recommending this, guys? Or are we just saying listen to this and just more check out like the lore behind Airbud? Or are we saying actually check out the movie? I I think as somebody who is a little curious, and it's just on Amazon Prime right now. I don't know. It's kind of interesting to check out. I definitely watched it on like 1.5 to double speed and it still <laughs> felt a little long. But uh, I don't know. I, I, having not seen it, I was kind of fascinated to see how different it was than I thought it would be. Yeah, same for me on that. I would say just like YouTube, the the good dog stuff and yeah. uh, read, read about it. Yeah, totally fair. He is a very good dog. And if you do want to get more into this, there are multiple people on the internet who have uh, broken down every single one of the Airbud movies into their key moments, complete with animated GIFs and um, <laughs> like commentary. So you wow. can go read that instead of watching these. Uh, the, people are really into this. There's also something from Mel Magazine written by Rajat Shiresh, uh, where he has done a game, a game by game play analysis. Um, of why Airbud sucks at basketball. So that sounds amazing. So 
People are very into this on levels that was never intended. And that's fascinating. And I never would have known if it hadn't have been for you, Stu. Thank you. My absolute pleasure. (laughs) Now, Stu, you obviously have podcasts. How do people find you? How do people find your shows? What's up? Sure. On pretty much any uh, podcasting app you have, you can uh, find me running a Dungeons and Dragons game for a group of all bards that are also a punk band. Uh, and that's Dungeon Punks. And it's at Dungeon Punks. And most things I think on Twitter, it's at Dungeon Punks Pod. Um, yeah, it's a real blast. It's absolutely nuts, I would say. And you also got a chance to listen to some great uh, Canadian punk bands because we uh, have musical interludes featuring uh local and Canadian punk bands. Yeah, and if you want to hear me talk more about basketball movies, there's a podcast called Peach Baskets that will be coming out sometime in the future. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, that'll be on Podcasts of Doom, which is a podcast network uh, that Dungeon Punks is also on. Uh, so if you follow us, uh, you'll find out about that eventually. Stu, I got to ask you, is there a basketball movie you would recommend instead of watching Airbud? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I would recommend uh, White Man Can't Jump is amazing. Uh, And also He Got Game, which is a classic Spike Lee picture. Fantastic. Uh, Cam, how about you? Do you agree on those two choices? And how can people find your work? Sure. Uh, You can read a long article I wrote about White Man Can't Jump and how uh, the director smartly talked to black people. (laughs) And that's what made his movie so good, (laughs) relying heavily on black people, even though he himself is quite a baller. Um, I will also recommend uh, basketball wise, uh, if you want a nice Canadian one, it's, it's a short it's kind of like in between a feature and a short, uh, but uh, uh, Finding Big Country, which is just on YouTube, is about a, a female filmmaker and her, her search for uh, Bryant Reeves, the former star of uh, the Vancouver Grizzlies. Uh, and her name is Kathleen Jame, Jamie, and uh, it's quite an interesting story because she was also a basketball player who who was very passionate as a kid and she kind of gave up on basketball and then this guy has essentially disappeared so it's a, one of those documentaries about searching for somebody and it's very pleasant and nice and actually uh, very nice about basketball as well fantastic yeah Great. And then uh, I have no uh, clever opinions about basketball movies, so I'm just going to keep talking about Canadian film because that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> and you can hear me do more of that on our Twitter at RCMPod. You can hear me make jokes about anything but movies. That's at Le Shrimpton on the Twitters over there. And I think that's just about everything. So, Stu, do you want to go get a moose head? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Good work, team. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. If you like what we're doing, please remember to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcatcher. It helps people find our podcast and Canadian media they love. Come chat with us at RCM Pod on Facebook or on Twitter at RCM Pod. Our theme song is by Craig Stewart and our show art is by Paul Stachniak. Join us next week for another great film from the wilds of Canadian cinema.